Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria, and thank you for joining me here on this uh, episode 69 of the Fifth Estate podcast. I want to kick this episode off with... um, in addition to the uh, commentary that I went into yesterday about the Greens uh, electric vehicle policy, now for those who came in late uh, as part of their policy, the what the Greens want to do is they want to abolish stamp duty and offer up to fifteen thousand dollars for electrical electric vehicle purchases under seventy seven thousand five hundred sixty five dollars. Now, as I said at the time, there's probably not a great deal uh, that are available that are under that price. Now, coincidentally. Uh, if you head over to drive.com.au, uh, you will see that they're doing a review on a Polestar 2. Now, that's, uh, what is it, from the Volvo Garage? Uh, launched in, landed in Australia in February 2022 as the first local offering from Vic, Volvo's new all-electric performance-focused spin-off brand. Now, the base model does come at a price under that limit, so it comes in at a base price of $68,400. Though, if you want the pilot light pack, which is what drive.com used, that's an extra $3,400, and that includes blind spot information system with steer assist, cross traffic alert with brake support, rear collision warning and mitigation, adaptive cruise control with pilot assist, 360 camera degree cameras, parking assist side, um, LED front fog lights and automatically dimmed exterior mirrors. If you get the plus pack, which is another $6,000, you get premium sound by Harman Kardon, heated steering wheel, heated rear seat, uh, heated wiper nozzles. You get an energy saving uh, heat pump, you get an air quality system, you get weave tech seats, high level interior illumination, tinted rear window, wireless mobile phone charging, rear floor rear floor lid with bag holder because uh, this is a um, hatchback and you get a panoramic roof. Now that brings the price as tested including on road costs to $84,006. And, $84, now that is above the greens amount of 77565 So as I said then, I don't think that you're going to get many many cars um, under that. And then obviously with cost of living increases and everything going up, you're probably not going to get any under that price. So um, there's that. As I said, I think it's a, a, a bit of a, a pointless exercise and uh, it's just something that isn't going to be attainable or anything that's realistic in um, you know in in the real world. Now that being said, let's go into what we are doing in the real world, and that is if I can get my computer to play nice. Um, the pandemic has been uh, lifted. Uh, Dan Andrews has turned around and said that as of uh, Wednesday. The pandemic is no longer, there you go, Uh, what is it, Dan Andrews' decision to end the pandemic declaration is going to happen uh, next Thursday. So, you know, this is the thing, he turns around and says, oh, you know what, it'll end, 
that's uh, because the pandemic's there. Um, this is purely political. Uh, if he announces it and makes the extension for another uh, another three months, as he's entitled to, that would take it into the election period. And he doesn't want to go to an election giving the dysfunctional Liberal Party any more uh, material than they already have, which, if you have a look at it, is a... It's a bucket load, um, and if they weren't so incompetent and dysfunctional, then they may be able to run a decent uh, opposition campaign against him and potentially unseat him. But uh, with the news that there is uh, a whole lot of guffaw going on uh, in the Liberal Party, uh, I think that we're going to be in front of the four years of... Um, it may not be the Andrews regime, so but it'll be another four years of labour, uh, and yeah, it, it, it's the thing. Um, as I said yesterday's episode, uh, if you're voting for any of the major parties, Liberal, Labor, National, um, Greens, or anything like that, um, you really should keep your mouth shut over the next four years uh, because whatever comes, you've brought on onto us. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it's something that we really need to be aware and um, do our own homework on who we cast our vote to and that just voting for, you know, the Liberal Party because it's not Labor Party or the National Party because it's not the Labor Party or it's not the Greens or it's not the Reason Party or anything like that is going to uh, get us all in the uh, knee-deep in the proverbial uh, so, yeah, so it's the thing is that, um, you know, any competent opposition party should have been hammering uh, the Andrews regime right from day one, right from the time that they had their um, – no, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them the, the first state of emergency that they launched under under the, the, the previous uh, iteration of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. So I'll accept the, the, the first – state of emergency because it was something new we didn't know about it though the second one and even going to the state of disaster where there was the you know the lockdowns the kilometer limits and all that sort of stuff the opposition should have hammered them um going for the vaccine mandates the opposition should have hammered them and just pushed and pushed and pushed and just brought it made it in the news every single day yet they didn't they kept quiet why did they keep quiet because they want to use these powers themselves. And and that's the thing. It's I'm not sure if I've said it before or not, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, well, you know, I've said it privately. I know I've said it privately, but it's not – I'm not sure if I've mentioned about it um, publicly in, on this podcast or anything like that. But it's the thing. There is no Labor Party, Liberal National Party uh, or anything like that. There's just the, the, the uni party. It is. It is essentially one party with uh, different – uh, different clothes on so it's all just one there they're all looking after themselves they're all trying to keep the system going and it's a bit like you know industrial relations when there's twos and fro's from the unions and then the business groups and all that it's it's just the ir club they'll just have their little pretend fight and they'll each use the other as a justification for their own existence and as a reason to recruit members and all that sort of stuff uh, this is exactly the same in politics um you know and you know, it's the thing is that we should be 
being mindful of what is happening overseas with regards to that. And one of the things that I do want to talk about being mindful of things that are happening overseas is the worry, the State Surgeon General for Florida. Uh, Bulletin came out. That'll be, yeah, Friday, Friday US time. Um, State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo uh, issues new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine guidance. Uh, And this is interesting uh, that what it says is um, today, State Surgeon General uh, Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo has announced new guidance regarding mRNA and mRNA vaccines. The Florida Department of Health conducted an analysis through a self-controlled case series, which is a technically a technique originally developed to evaluate vaccine safety. This analysis found out found that there was an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following mRNA vaccination. With a high level of global immunity to COVID, the benefit of vaccination is likely outweighed by this abnormally high risk of cardiac-related death among men in this age group. Non-mRNA vaccines were not found to have these increased risks. As such, the State Surgeon General recommends against males aged 18 to 39 from receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Those with pre-existing cardiac conditions such as myocarditis and pericarditis should take particular caution when making this decision. Studying the safety and efficacy of any medications, uh, including vaccines, is an important component of public health, said Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo. Far less attention has been paid to safety and the concerns of many individuals have been dismissed. And these are important findings that should be communicated to Floridians. Now, um, what do you say about that? Uh, You know, has Slugger, uh, as our Chief Health Officer, done his bit to pay attention to that? No. Right from day one, he's been pushing the narrative, which is, um, you know, that... uh, that uh, ivermectin is horse dewormer, that uh, everything else is bad. The only thing that's going to save you is these jabs. Um, and, you know, it's the only thing that's going to keep you safe. It's the only thing that's going to keep you stop getting you sick. It's the only thing that's going to stop you dying. Uh, and it's, it's the thing. I'd love to see these people just – what do I want to see? Um you know, I mean, if you put them in prison, that means you have to go through a show trial and because that's what it'll be and then there's no competent legal system. Um, I just love to see them stripped of everything, um, you know, the way that they've done it to everyone else who refused to get vaccinated or their livelihoods, those who did get vaccinated and had um, a, a, a severe side effect from it. Um, all the way starting up at Dan Andrews, um, all the way down to Shane Patton and, and onwards, um, stripped of everything. Take them back to to the barest minimum um, and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, no trials or anything like that. Just say, no, nah, bang, you've, you've screwed up. You've, you've ignored it. You've betrayed 
um, your oath of office, you've you've damaged the trust that society has in those institutions. You've politicised those institutions, uh, and and that so they can't be, uh, you know, be in any way able to benefit from their office um, for that one. So, um, but but yeah, that is a, an interesting one. Um, so yeah. We'll, we'll see how long it takes for the corrupt corporate press to come out and have a critique of uh, this Surgeon General's uh, guidance. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, what else is there? Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Essendon um, saga with the CEO, Andrew Thornburn. Um, now, I'll be the first to admit I don't follow Aussie rules football. I haven't for, for quite a few years. I uh, didn't even know that the uh, previous CEO had quit or anything like that. Uh, but one thing I do want to say is that If you have any faith at all, like any religious faith, it doesn't matter what religion you are. Why? One thing I want to know is: is why are you still supporting the AFL? Um, you know, why are you watching it after the, this treatment of of this individual who became CEO? And yes, he's involved on a board in a church and, and all that sort of stuff. But though the thing is, though, he's only involved on the board. He's not one of the pastors on uh, out there. You know. Um, leading the sermons and all that sort of stuff. So he's only involved in the regulatory side of, of the church. So that, you know, that that's regardless. He's, he's involved in the church, so let's just make it that. Um, regardless of the views of the church or not, he should be entitled to those views. And if you disagree with those views, let's bring it out. Um, and it is obvious that the AFL and Essendon Football Club and even the Premier um, Dan Andrews opposed those views now, and that, that you know he's had to resign. From what? Uh, what was it? Can I find it? Um, uh, from what one of the news uh, news articles said was that he was given the option of. Uh, being involved in the church or being involved in Essendon, and he chose the church. Uh, if that's the case, then it's the thing is that we need to ask why. Why, is, if anyone's, um, you know, anyone of, of any sort of faith is involved in, in AFL, why? Why are you still watching it? Because these people don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. All they care is about adherence to their woke religion and appeasing the vocal minority. Now, let's let's just actually go on to the comments from Supreme Leader Andrews. Uh, Andrews on Tuesday made a stunning attack on the team. He is a paid-up member of after public commentary surrounding Thornburn. Um... According to AAP journalist, Andrews was asked directly about the church on 
a Hill's divisive views and responded by saying, those views are absolutely appalling. I don't support those views. That kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred, bigotry is just wrong. To dress that up as anything other than bigotry is just false. Um, you know what? It, it's a thing. It, yeah. Um, you know, we're obvious that, that um, Andrews doesn't believe in, in what those views are coming from. Um, I'll see if I can find that article. Where is that article? He goes on talking about... Um, here we go. Um, said in no place in a supporting community. Aren't we all God's children? Like, seriously, there is no place for bigotry. There is no place for stigmatising people, Andrew said. When it comes to rampant homophobia, when I lead the Pride March every year, I do that with a sense of genuine concern, support and commitment. If I'm to be criticised for that, so be it. So there's no place for stigmatising people, okay? Now, that is just one church, yet the whole his whole state has stigmatised people. For, for how long? Whether it's for those who didn't want to wear face diapers, those who haven't participated in the um, therapeutics uh, trials that are going on or anything like that. He's done his best to stigmatise people. He's done it right from the start when he was screaming that it was going to be a uh, um, uh, pandemic of the unvaccinated to going on saying that you know what, with the vaccine passports, that stigmatised people. So let's just make it clear, Andrew does not give a whoopty about, you know, making sure that people aren't stigmatised or anything like that. What he's doing is he's, he's pushing his views, which are the to destroy, every, just to destroy society. So, um, you know, we know that uh, he's scared of prayer because he brought his gay conversion bills in. You can't pray for someone, so he's scared of that. Um, and yet, you know, the views of, of a church... And it's only views of the church, you know. It's not like they're running around with a um, militarised arm of the church going and, uh, you know, knocking on doors and, and checking people's papers and everything like that, as opposed to Dan Andrews and his militarised police force, you know, the, the enforcement arm of the state who were, uh, you know, checking businesses and, you know, stopping people from going out. And let's also make it clear that... Dan Andrews sees a problem with people's thoughts and views, yet he has no care whatsoever and openly supports the medical fraternity in this state chopping the private parts of young boys and the parts of young girls as part of their gender-affirming whatever you want to call it. So this is how screwed up Dan Andrews is and... It's the thing. People need to wake up and understand that this has what Andrews is doing has nothing to do with religion or the views of the church. This is about him um, pandering to a, um, a a violent group of 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 um, whatever it is that you know. This is their views. They would rather chop children up than have them. Um, treated for any other mental health problems that they do have and, and, and even turning around saying, hey, listen, we understand you're just a child, mate. It's a phase that you're going to go through, whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, this is the, you know, it, it, it's, it's a thing. And 
you know what, I, I'm changing my view from what I said before regarding the, the, the pandemic. I think Andrew should end up in, in, in a little, little, little concrete room somewhere. Um, actually, no, let's, no, we won't make it a concrete room. Let's make it a fucking glass room. Sorry about the language there. I did want to make this child friendly, um, family friendly. Uh, let's make it a glass room in the middle of Federation Square. Put him on, you know, a, a, a two metre stilts so you can see him from all around. Um, put him in a glass room and that's where he has to live for the next freaking 10 years or for the rest of his natural life so everyone can see how despicable this person is and how much and and that it can be he can be a living reminder of what this state never has to do again um you know he needs to be there we need to have a constant reminder of of how how bad this state has become under his watch um and you know what's his death toll you know we know he's he's been involved in the deaths of at least 900 people um how many more are there how many more are there you know the, the ones that have committed suicide um, due to the lockdowns, the ones who have committed suicide because they've lost their jobs. How many more? How many more deaths does he have on his hands? Yet, yet the media, the incompetent corporate press, does not say anything about that. The incompetent opposition does not say anything about that. They're just too busy bullshitting around and, and pre- oh no, we're going to put armed protective services officers in hospitals. Like really, what's that going to do? It's not going to stop the crap that's out on our streets or anything like that. And this is the thing, is that we need to turn around and say enough is enough. We need to put this individual in, actually, what is the size of the prison cell? And we need to put him in a box that's freaking smaller than that. Um, Let me, while I'm typing this in, give me a chance to calm down. And I just... Here we go. Uh, International Committee of Red Cross recommends that cells be at least 5.4 metres square, 58 square foot, in size for a single accommodation, one person in the cell. However, in shared or dormitory accommodation, it recommends a minimum of 3.4 metres square or 37 foot per person, including in cells where bunk beds are used. Prison cells vary in size internationally from 2 metres square in Guinea, 3 metres square in Poland, 9 metres square in Germany to 10 metres square foot in Norway or 12 in Switzerland. Now, okay, let's, let, let's, be, let's be generous. Let's give him a 10 metre square prison cell. Make it glass um, and just, you know, put it in the middle of, Federation, middle of Federation Square, up on blocks, and he can be our living monument of a reminder of what we never have to do again. We never have to. We should never, ever, ever accept our government, any government of ours that we, you know, that, that we allow to be there. We should never accept any government imposing the, the whatever, the, the, the dictatorial guidelines, directions, whatever that was. We should never, ever allow any government to impose those on a free society again. And if you do want to, uh, and, and this is the thing, he should be the living reminder. Put him up in there so we can see him every day and then he can look down on the people that he has tormented and know that we don't give a shit about him anymore. Um, and that, you know, I'd love to say it below because he, he looks down on us anyway, but it's the thing is that he needs to look down and look down and at the people that he's hurt over the last two years. Um, and, and this is what we need to do. And 
it's a thing. Yes, it is a bit of a rant, but you know what? It, it's a thing. And you know what? Let's just do. Let's just add Matthew Guy. Put him in the in the the box beside him. We'll let the two have a box together, double the size of it. Let them let them live together for the next for the rest of their natural life, because um, they're just as complicit with that um, for that one. So yeah, it, it's it, it's something that that needs to stop. We cannot allow that to happen again um, for that one. So anyway, now that I'm calming down and off that one, there is something that I did want to talk about. Um, Now this is something that I think is relevant to um, Australians, uh, seeing as we're getting involved in this. Now um, the Ukraine president, uh, the former actor Vladimir Zelensky uh, at a, um, what was it, a Lowy? Lowy Institute, uh, I think that's a left-leaning think tank um, in Australia. He turned around and has uh, turned around and said that uh, NATO should launch a preemptive strike against Russia. Now, he said... What is important, I once again appeal to the international community, as I did before February 24, we need preemptive strike so that the Russians know what will happen to them if they use nuclear weapons and not the other way around. Don't wait for Russia's nuclear strikes and then say, oh, since you did this, take that from us. Now, it, it's the thing. Any Anyone that supports the Ukraine after this, and, and I'm talking about Zelensky, I mean, the Ukrainian people shouldn't be putting up with what they're putting up with. Um, unfortunately, they're, you know, living under a corrupt government and corrupt regime and, and everything else that's that's going on. Um, we should just automatically just withdraw support. Don't, you know, just make him persona non grata. Nope. We're our, you know, we're, our thoughts and prayers are for the Ukrainian people and we will offer any humanitarian assistance that we can to those people uh, that have been displaced due to the conflict, though we should just turn around and say, no, no more, because this individual is is going to goad the West into a, uh, or goad NATO into starting a nuclear war with Russia. Um, and that's something that no sane individual should be accepting or tolerating. Uh, you know, they did turn around and, um, you know, try and walk it back. Um, and say that, oh, you know, he was talking about um, preemptive uh, sanctions. Uh, he did, uh, it says, however, Zeri Nurokov, uh, Zelensky's spokesman, spokesperson, said the leader was referring to preemptive sanctions that he wanted applied before Russia's full-scale, full-scale inversion, adding that Ukraine would never call for the use of nuclear weapons. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a thing. No, I think it's time to say enough is enough. Um, every country, like what? How many billions of dollars has the US given them? Um, we know, you know, there's US troops on there. There's probably bound to be Australian troops on the ground in the Ukraine as well. Um, you know, Albanese's, um, you know, handing over how many hundreds of millions of dollars of, of equipment to them. Scott Morrison did the same thing. I think it's time to say no, enough is enough. Um, and no, you know, no, no more. We'll add, um, you know, we'll support any humanitarian effort, but no more, no more arms for any military um, involvement or anything like that. 
um, I think, yep, enough's enough. Um, time to say, yep, you, you've just overstepped. You've shown your true colours now. And this is what he wants. And, I mean, you know, why is he talking to the Lowy Institute for a start? I mean, could you imagine? Um, yeah, it is. Lowy Institute is a uh, left-leaning think tank. Um According to Wikipedia, while the institute has been described as neoliberal, centre-right leaning or reactionary, officially its research and aims to be nonpartisan. Uh, no, I think it is. Um, anyway. Um, but either way, I think enough's enough. Um yeah, I forgot where I was going with that one. So yeah, that's it. Why is he why is he giving all these talks? I mean, can you imagine Churchill during World War II going and giving talks to all these international um, you know, bodies and think tanks and, and appearing at the Australian National University via, you know, video stream and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, yes, I know technology was different and all that sort of stuff, so he had to go around to places. Um, you know, I can't imagine Churchill doing the same thing. Um and, and all that. So yeah. I think it's it's time to wake up and um, realise that we're not being told the full story about what is happening in the Ukraine, that there is something going on that we don't know about. Um, there is a theory that uh, what um, Putin is doing on the Russian side of things is trying to um, avoid the Great Reset from coming in, uh, whereas Zelensky's... Um, there through thanks to the United States, I think it was the Obama uh, administration that did it. Um, he's there because of George Soros and um, uh, Klaus Schwab. So, yeah, you know, that is obviously all the Great Reset material stuff, or the, the big pushes, um, promoters of it uh, and all that. So that's, you know, that that's one of the stories is that, hey, Zelensky is just going to push, 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 push until, you know, um, Putin responds with some sort of uh, nuclear uh, weapons, in which case it will meet a, um, hopefully, you know, he hopes it will be a response from NATO, which, you know, in turn brings everything else into it um, from that one. So, which, you know, hey, the ideal thing for the Great Reset, you know, world's at war, let's just crash everything, let's just make sure that, you know, we, we've got to be aware of your money goes because you could be helping those on the other side um, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, regardless of what it is, there should never be any any reason to take up national conflict and, and send people to their death because of, of um, politicians. Um, and that's what's happening, um, regardless of, of who's right and who's wrong. And, and there can be no one that's right or wrong as soon as bullets start flying. And people start dying. It's the thing, you know. No government is right. No government is wrong. Um, no government can take the high ground on that one uh, for that. So, yeah, it's it's the thing. Um, as I said, time for us to start questioning um, what's going on and and just talking a little bit about nuclear war for a minute. Um, there is a talk that it's coming, um, you know, we know Zelensky's itching for it, um, but the, the question does need to be asked, if a tactical nuke was used in the Ukraine region, would 
NATO use that? Would they be willing to sacrifice themselves because of that? Um, because, you know, as soon as they responded, then obviously Russia will respond in kind um, and all that sort of stuff. So while that's going on, what's going to happen to Taiwan? China's going to take over Taiwan. Once Taiwan becomes annexed or, or part of China, it's only going to be a matter of time before Australia and New Zealand fall um, or, or get annexed or, or whatever it is. And that's the thing. So, you know, this is we, we should be avoid, aiming to avoid or doing whatever we can to avoid any sort of um, accelerated uh, conflict in that region because of what comes next. And, you know, and, and this is the thing. I mean, you know, people, we have a corrupt corporate pest, press, press, pests, press that is just itching for it. They want it. Um, instead of asking Albanese every day, what is he doing to end the, the conflict in the Ukraine? It's just like, you know, he wants to send millions of dollars. Out. Yep, that's all right. You know, let's push him. Yes, you know what? It's Australia in, in you know, inconsequential in the in the scheme of things compared to uh, other countries that are there. But, you know, if, if there's enough countries that turn around and say, no, we need to find a peaceful resolution to it, um, you know, maybe it just might happen. And if especially if they turn around and say, no, we're not supplying any more ammunition. We're not supplying any more weaponry to you guys. Um, until you stop, um, you know. Not you know, even if you do stop, we're still not going to supply. We'll provide whatever humanitarian assistance we are able to, um, and I, I do mean able to. And considering this country is broke and got massive debts, I don't think they were able to offer much humanitarian assistance anyway. Um, but this is what we should be doing: turning and saying, "No, you need to find a peaceful resolution to it." Um, you know what will what will it take to resolve it? Um, for that one, and if that involves the Ukraine not being in NATO, then hey, so be it. Um, for that one, so yes. Anyway, um, now one final thing that I want to talk about. Um, just, I'll just go quickly. Uh, this one is in according to the Daily Mail. Microplastics being found in breast milk of healthy mothers for the first time in new health food for babies. Now, microplastics um, do have the um, ability to screw with the chemical uh, balance. Um, there you go. Um, health concerns over plastics include the chemicals used to soften them, known as phthalates, which can mimic the effects of sex hormones in humans. For years, plastic particles were considered to be inert, but research increasingly shows harmful effects on human cells in the laboratory and in animals. In the latest experiment, one gram of milk was collected one week after mothers gave birth. To prevent contamination, the milk was collected using non-plastic containers and is expressed by hand rather than using a breast pump. The milk samples, including plastic, each had between one and five microparticles. The researchers writing in the journal Polymers said their study showed now human exposure to microplastics was inevitable. The particles came from PVC, polyethylene and polypropylene, all common plastics uh, in materials ranging from plastic bottles to packaging to synthetic leather, floor tiles, etc., etc. Um, this is something that is should be concerning for all of us. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the thing. And I, I think that's going to be a bigger health problem that um, than, than anything else. Um Previous studies have shown that babies fed on infant form also absorb millions of microplastic particles each day. 
Um, yeah, it's, I mean, what is that doing to children? What is that doing to our ability to do anything? And could that be um, part of the reason that we're seeing such a rise in um, children with other problems uh, and all that sort of stuff? But anyway, um, well, once I can dig out more on that one, actually I might add that one to the list of things to talk to Robin Tudor about with her next episode. Um, that one is coming up soon. Um, hopefully in the next week or so. So, yeah. Anyway, I think I might end it here. Uh, We'll include some show notes to all those articles and everything like that so you can read away to your heart's content um, and all that sort of stuff. So, anyway, um, thank you for listening and uh, look forward to having you join me on the next one. Until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.